Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined as always by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. Of course, you can catch the Talking Tide podcast at YouTube, Facebook. We go live in those locales and, of course, Apple Podcasts, any platform where you prefer to get your podcasts. You can find us, and of course, the Twitter feed is talking underscore tide. Get quick links to all of our podcasts twice weekly during the football season right there on Twitter. Give us a like, give us a subscribe on YouTube, a follow, and we will keep you up to date throughout the football season. Travis, we look ahead in this midweek edition of Talking Tide to the Crimson Tide's first road game of the season at USF, the Tide comes into the game one and one. USF has got the very same record. They come in one and one. Uh, one and 11 last year, 0 and 8, 8 AC, new coach, Alex Golish coming in from Tennessee. So a, a South Florida program that's uh, definitely in a valley, even for USF right now, Travis. Yeah, and a locale down there in Tampa. Boy, you talk about a lot of stuff that has happened involving Alabama football down there over the years, whether it was Gene Stallings' last game in the Outback Bowl after the 1996 season. And, of course, the last time Alabama played down there, a national championship loss with a second left to Clemson. So, uh been some stuff with Alabama down there in Tampa, but looking at this USF team, very much a team in transition, uh, hung on to beat FCS Florida A&M last week at home, but that snapped 11 game losing streak uh, for the Bulls. So I don't think they're too picky about any W's right now. 2.30 PM central time kickoff on ABC this Saturday. Uh, Nick Kelly of the Tuscaloosa News and myself will be headed down there on Friday, headed back on Sunday. Looking forward to uh, seeing sunny Central Florida for the first time in a long time. Used to go down there every year, Travis, to cover the state high school baseball championships. It used to be in at Legend Field where those New York Yankees like to play uh, their spring training games. And uh, uh, always had a, a blast down there in Tampa. Looking forward to uh, – seeing it once again. As for uh, the game, Travis, a little bit of history, a little bit of interesting history with these two teams. They've only met one other time before, but the the only other meeting in 2003, uh, it's definitely got some history attached to it. Of course, it was the debut of former coach Mike Shula and also, Travis, the last game Alabama ever played at Legion Field in Birmingham. Yeah, that's what I recall about it as much as anything. Uh, certainly, uh, Mike's debut is, is up there with that, but uh, been a long time since Alabama has graced Legion Field with its presence and uh, a lot of history, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, South Florida, Central Florida, I think some people get them mixed up from time to time. Uh, Alabama's had some history with Central Florida as well, but uh, this is a game that, that Alabama at this point coming off a loss like it endured to Texas last week, Chase, should be should be a feel-good trip down there to uh, Tampa, you would think, anyway. You would certainly expect this to be a get-right game for Alabama. There's no doubt about it. If it's not a get, if it turns out not to be that, then uh, I think red flags maybe get raised even higher than they got raised this past Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. We, we shall see, uh, but uh, USF, 
an interesting offensive attack that Alabama's defense is going to have to deal with. I've got a nice athletic quarterback in Byron Brown, an ex-Florida Gator in the backfield at running back in Naquan Wright, who I think is in his fifth or sixth year of college football at this point. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they're not scared to throw the ball deep. They little, run a little bit of option uh, game with, with Byron Brown. And, uh, you know, it could, especially for a, an Alabama defense, that at least as of now, doesn't seem to be doing a lot uh, in the pass rush. Could be somewhat of a challenge. We'll see. Yeah, you know, and some Tennessee concepts, ob- obviously, with Golish coming down there from Knoxville. So, yeah, you're going to see those wide wide receiver splits. And last time Alabama encountered that look, it didn't work out so well. But uh, all due respect to, to the personnel at South Florida, I think we all understand, not quite on the level yet anyway, with what Golish had to work with along with Josh Heupel up at UT. But it's really an interesting uh, USF offense because season opener against Western Kentucky, USF runs for nearly 400 yards in that loss uh, up there and then turns around against an FCS opponent, barely rushes for 100 yards. So kind of like Alabama, I think, an offense and a team searching for some consistency uh, at this point in the season. But, you know, again, for the Alabama defense and the offense, really, uh, a chance to to get some things right before you get into SEC play. Yeah, it's a defensive woes at USF, too. Neither Western Kentucky nor A&M have had a lot of trouble scoring points in the first couple weeks of the season. From Alabama's perspective, Travis, I think if, if this is a get-right game, as, as, as discussed, I think the very first thing you look at is, are they going to dominate both sides of the line of scrimmage? Because they got beaten on both sides this past week. If you're not going to rectify anything else in a game like this, straighten it out up front. Absolutely. You know, in Florida A&M last week, 13 tackles for loss against South Florida. I mean, it's, Florida A&M had 13 tackles for loss. Alabama had two against Texas. So you would think there would be a good bit more production. Uh, Florida A&M had six sacks of USF in that game. So some areas where the psyche – of this team might be in need of some help uh, that could be in play. And I think, I think Western Kentucky averaged like 5.6 a carry uh, in that opener against USF. So the run game for Alabama, um, you know, Alabama doesn't have a running back yet with a run of over 20 yards. So need to see some of that need to see some explosiveness. We talk about it so much in the passing game and understanding Jameer Gibbs is no longer around, but, between those three or four guys that we expect to see from Alabama, need to see some of those, one or two of those guys in the open field a little bit more. Yeah, no doubt. I think Jace McClellan's the guy that picked up that 20-yard run that you mentioned, but that is the long for the backfield on the season to date, two games in. So uh, no doubt about it. The, the running game needs to be more explosive, more consistent too. You'd like to see just more easy sticks moved. Uh, than anything else, I think, Travis. And, you know, offensively, too, I thought it was interesting. Nick Saban uh, today and tonight in his press conference ahead of the game hinted that Alabama offensively has been tipping opposing defenses as to what might be coming in terms of run pass. Surely he was talking about the Texas game, I would think, more so than the Middle Tennessee State game. Uh, he certainly didn't elaborate, nor nor would he or should he. 
but interesting that, that apparently they're cleaning a few things up in regards to, I, I guess, maybe some bad habits uh, that, that are get, maybe gave Texas's defense a little bit of a tell. Yeah, and a lot of times that starts with your offensive line, right? Just in terms of stance, uh, the way offensive linemen maybe get into their stances and uh, pressure on fingertips and things like that. That's the old I mean, Lawrence Taylor tip. Yes, it, it can get – it can, and once it gets on tape, man, once it gets out there, you better – it's kind of like termites, yeah. right? You, you better clean it up at the, at the early, early stages or you're going to have a full infestation of issues. So, I, again, this is, this is a week about character. This is a week about headspace and – attention to details, all those things, focus, it's all a part of that. So I think we'll find out pretty quickly on Saturday afternoon uh, how Alabama has gone about dealing with those things during the practice week. Be interesting, too, I think, to see if Ja'Cory Brooks makes basically his introduction into this offense, still looking for his first catch. Of course, he missed the first half of the MTSU game on what certainly sounded like a suspension uh, from Nick Saban's comments about it following the game. He didn't play much more against Texas in four quarters than he did in against Middle Tennessee State in two, Travis. Uh, I, I think he had 18 snaps in the opener in that second half and uh, maybe a little more than 20 offensively, I mean, not special teams too, uh, against Texas. It's a guy that caught – 600-some yards worth of passes, led the team in touchdown catches a year ago with eight, goes into game three looking for his first catch in a, in a wide receiving core uh, that I, I think certainly looks improved and, and uh, uh, has been somewhat of a bright spot thus far. Yeah, the consistency has been there. And I think you know what you have seen, Jermaine Burton, have been very, very solid when you think about primarily outside guys and it looks like Malik Benson maybe is starting to become more of the guy that we anticipated him being upon his arrival from the junior college ranks. And you know, they're inside guys, but you can use them in different ways. Isaiah Bond, Kobe Prentice, uh, very encouraging stuff from those second year players as well. So, you know, there's still that ongoing competition really at various spots on the offense and, seems to be helping things at the wide receiver position more than anything else. Nick Saban also asked tonight, Travis, about some of the criticism levied by former players in the wake of that loss to Texas. I thought Nick, Nick Saban handled that question about as well as any question he's had thrown at him in, in a while. Uh, basically said, of course, they're, of course they're being critical. We, we, we didn't, we didn't play good. So um, totally owned it. You know, his, he said it's my responsibility that the team did not play well. Uh, it's another debate whether or not social media criticism from ex-players is a good thing for the program. I would argue certainly uh, that, that it's probably not. Certainly can't help matters. But at the same time, Travis, we're not talking about fans here. We're talking about guys who spilled some blood and spilled some sweat for the program to set a tradition, uh, to carry on a tradition, I, I should say, won some championships. And so uh, they've got every right at least to take some ownership, whether they handle it the best way is another question. But there's 
there's ownership with those guys. You know, it's kind of reminiscent to me along the lines of what we used to hear in the pre-social media days from Miami players. And when you think about it, that run by Miami, if you want to go back to the next run prior to this Alabama run, and that's including SC and the aughts, um, you know, that's including Nebraska in the 90s, the, the next run you go back to, like Alabama's, for me anyway, is Miami. Mm-hmm. And they had some vocal alums as well. And uh, you think about how they were able to utilize those voices in the uh, pre-social media era. Imagine those Miami players if they had Twitter back in the day. I mean, um, these, these Alabama players might seem a little bit tame compared yeah. to what the U might have been putting out back then. I think I heard Michael Irvin divulge how disappointed he was in the Canes so often that at this point, I guess it would surprise me if he even showed up down there or even claimed to you. I mean, it, every time Miami was – and they stumbled a lot coming out of those great years. seems like every time they hit a new low point, Mike would just kind of hang his head and, uh, and let anyone with a microphone know it. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the norm back then. And again, that's pre-social media. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I think if you have your concerns are that deep, you know, go to Tuscaloosa. You right. go. I'm sure Nick will put you right in front of the team. Sure. Uh, it, Nick, Nick probably looks at that as beneficial maybe. Um, or, or, you know, air it out with Nick. But, hey, as you said, these are guys that put it on the line, that established the foundation, that has gone a long way as an, as incredible of a run as we've seen in college football history. So, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna be heard when they think they need to be. Ticketman and the Vegas man updates there, as we always do midweek. Ticketman, Travis, uh, <laughs> you want a pair in the upper deck at Raymond James Stadium, which, of course, that's where the Bucks play, holds about 75K, under 20 bucks, like 15 16 $18 for those upper deck seats, Travis. Pops would have a field day down in Tampa if you sent him down there to, to beat on the man. He, he would come back uh, a knockout champion there. Yeah, this is this, – Pops probably wouldn't even go because it wouldn't be tough enough. You know, Pops yeah. like those just impossible games. <laughs> Pops like those Herschel Walker, Georgia versus Florida teams in the old Gator Bowl. That's the ones, you know, where he had to kind of sneak in the gate to get in. He couldn't even get a ticket. That was the real challenge for Pops. Uh, back in the day, but man, you got a two thirty central kickoff and look, it's September still folks. Who knows if there's going to be weather delays. I don't want to say it. I hope it doesn't happen, but the last time Alabama traveled to Florida in, in the month of September, right. To play a football game was Florida a couple of years ago. We were there. We remember uh, the, the delays and kind of what went into that. So uh, I hope that isn't the case, but at a minimum, it's going to be muggy, muggy and warm. No question about it. All right, uh, Vegas man, really quick, Travis. Alabama, a 32-point favorite in this game. It's a huge number, and, and people who bet against Alabama last year with these big spreads that Vegas was uh, putting on Alabama games last year, they did well, right? Alabama did not cover the number 
as often as it often does last season. Uh, this is another big number that I think a lot of people are going to be tempted to take those 32. to stay away game for me because, again, I just don't know if South Florida is, is good enough to stay on the field. I mean, given what we've seen so far in the first couple of games, knowing how much they struggled a year ago, um, Alabama could certainly cover this number. Uh, but at least for now, it looks like Vegas is still all in uh, with, with heavy spreads on Alabama. Kind of have to still, even after that performance last Saturday, just to get the money coming the other way. And if I had to make a play on that number, I would probably lay the 32 because I think, well, in addition to Alabama being clearly the better team, this is almost reset mode for this Alabama team. This is almost like the season opener all over again, right. like Middle Tennessee was. Because after Texas, this is a team that – it's not just going to be, I think, play the starters for two quarters and a series maybe. Uh, I think USF, in, in terms of just for as long as the game's competitive and even beyond how much they're going to see of Alabama's front line guys, uh, I think that could be an extended stretch because you got Ole Miss coming up, you got SEC play coming up. Uh, this isn't a team going down there with everything figured out. So, uh, you know, I, I, obviously that could work both ways, but I, I tend to lean a little bit anyway. If, if I had to make a play on it, I would lay the 32. I guess my better judgment, Travis, I, I know it's never a good idea to stick your chin out too far when, <laughs> when you're in the ring with the man. But I got to tell you, uh, the good spread SEC pick of the week and my Wednesday column and the Tuscaloosa News Going back to last last season, now hitting 80% against the number, 12-3, and 2-0 and out of the gate this year. I had Ole Miss minus 7 against Tulane last week. They nearly messed that up. They got that late cover. I think we touched on that uh, on the Sunday nighter. Uh, looking to go to 3-0 and on the year and 13-3 and overall. If I can, Travis, I'm giving out Mississippi State LSU under 55 for the pick this week. What do you think? I like that because I think that Mississippi State, the way that they're playing offense right now, isn't really conducive to State winning that game, even playing in Starkville. Uh, but Zach Arnett's got a legit defense, I think. So I think that defense for State will be able to keep the bullies in it. Um, so, yeah, I would feel okay about going the under there. I think they'll. I think they'll be running the ball, and and yeah. uh, I, you know, I still don't quite have a handle on whether or not these new clock rules are really going to help out the unders or not. Uh, maybe a little bit. The coaches certainly don't think it's going to impact the games very much. But if I'm not mistaken, when Nick Saban was asked about it a month or so ago, he felt like it was going to take eight or ten plays off of every game. And if that's the case, then uh, that's something that Vegas. Certainly will adjust to if they haven't already. Uh, but this early in the season, who knows? Maybe maybe those new clock rules are, are helping the under folks. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it seems like scoring is still up there pretty good, right? I mean, yeah, I don't does. notice that scoring is uh, noticeably down. You look at first, you know, we talked about this last week. Week one in the SEC, you had 10 teams in the league that scored – 44 or more now 
you know, you're going to have more SEC play cranking up here in the next little bit. So that'll probably change a, a decent amount. But I, I still to be determined, I think, with all that, Chase. No doubt about it. More on SEC games going on this weekend a little bit later in the program. First, though, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors of the show. We're going to start by telling you about Heat Pizza Bar. Of course, Heat Pizza Bar located in downtown Tuscaloosa, 2250 6th Street in Government Square Plaza. You cannot beat the pizzas down there. And interestingly enough, Travis, uh, this past weekend, Dave Portnoy, the Barstool <laughs> Sports mogul, dropped in on Heat Pizza. He was in town for Alabama, Texas, and did one of his famous YouTube pizza reviews. Gave Frank Fleming and the boys a 7.1, which if you're familiar with those reviews, that's actually a pretty rock-solid number. I know Frank was excited to see uh, Dave. He also uh, tried to get Dave to take the tide and lay that ah, seven. Dave like Texas plus and uh, Frank. So he ran up on Frank. <laughs> Frank was... I look, I, I cut Frank some slack at that point when that interview was done. Frank was fully immersed in the in what I call the Bama Rock. He was on that Bama <laughs> Rock, you know, no in the lead up to the game. It happens. No it happens. It and by the way, Portnoy, Portnoy, and they're all great at Heat. All the pies are great, but. Portnoy should have gone, and I know he does cheese pizzas, but he should have gone Thai chicken. Because if he gone Thai chicken, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, that Frank and and Heat are getting nines somewhere in the nines for that Thai chicken. For me, it's a ten plus, but even for Portnoy, it would have been nine plus. I think, yeah, no doubt about it. All right, get on over there, Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa in Government Square. Got to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at fifteen thirty. McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Hey, are you trying to make summer just linger at least a little bit longer? Well, you can do that. Go by Peterbrook Chocolatier and check out what I've always called the secret weapon of Peterbrook Chocolatier. They've got that outstanding selection of gelato. That's right, the Italian ice cream. You're not going to find anything else like it. In West Central Alabama, the gelato to go along with all those outstanding chocolate treats. You're going to find that and more at Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Finally, going to tell you about Caldera Men's Skin Products. Do right by your first impressions. Try Caldera out just for our listeners a discount with the promo code TIDE. You can just go to calderalab.com slash Tide. Claim that 20% discount with the Talking Tide promo code, which again is Tide. If you live in Alabama, you know the sun can be really hard on your face. You got to take care of it. They've got four products, the clean slate, the base layer, the icon, and the good. We've highlighted each of those here over the last month. Caldera products made with top-tier ingredients. Clinical trials have found 94% of men had a younger looking appearance through reduced wrinkles, signs of aging, et cetera. Just a minute in the morning and a minute at night, and you can transform your face with Caldera. Check out all the Caldera products at calderalab.com slash Tide. And again, just for our audience, Caldera offering a 20% off discount with the promo code Tide. Again, that's calderalab.com slash Tide. And Travis, uh, uh, we move on to the SEC 
look ahead portion of the program. Uh, some big ones. We kind of start SEC play in earnest uh, this week. Alabama, of course, not doing so. They get going in SEC play uh, against Ole Miss the following week. But uh, it's the SEC lid lifter for a lot of schools anyway, Travis. LSU at Mississippi State, the aforementioned game there. Tennessee at Florida, a big one for the Gators there. Tennessee pretty heavily favored, I think, understandably so. Uh, let's start there. What do you think about the balls and, and the Gators getting together down a game? Well, everything tells us this should be Tennessee's game, right? But then you think about the history of Tennessee down in Gainesville. It has not been great. Um, you know, and I think this is a huge start for Joe Milton on the road. I know he's pretty much been a given as the successor uh, to Hendon Hooker, but I think he needs to play well and and not just play well and uh, play well enough to win, but uh, there's a standard now uh, with the quarterback play there at Tennessee. So I like the Vols. I may not like the Vols by as much as some other folks do. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, home dogs have teeth. That's one of your favorite phrases. And, of course, Florida is a home underdog in that one. Uh, I won't be shocked if they keep it close. I do like Tennessee across the board. He's got more talent, period. Uh, and the better quarterback, I think, too. You put those two things together, home or away, I'm going to like your chances. Tennessee ought to get it done down in Gainesville. South Carolina at Georgia, Travis. Georgia Tech at Ole Miss. BYU at Arkansas. Three other interesting matchups. Uh, South Carolina at Georgia. That's a big number, too. I, I think Georgia's favored by four touchdowns or some such thing against the Gamecocks. South Carolina's really struggled on the offensive line so far this season, Travis. That is not a good sign uh, against the Bulldogs ever. Uh, but, you know, they do, they do put they, – they play the best special teams in the league pretty much at South Carolina, Travis. Big plays. Seems like just about every week from Shane Beamer's squad. Not a surprise. Uh, his father, Frank, was always big on special teams at Virginia Tech. But uh, if South Carolina could keep the game close, if that were a given, and it's not by any stretch, but if it were, I might like South Carolina's chances because those tight ones a lot of times are decided by special teams. Uh, but in, in this particular and – and I think South Carolina will sneak up somebody with that, with that special teams play. Uh, at some point this season and uh, score an upset or two, but this is not the week in my opinion. No, they're going to need to be up at least a couple in turnover margin in this game and also have at least one massive play in the kicking game to keep this thing competitive. You know, I it's hard for me not to think about the game last year in Columbia. You talk about just an absolute clubbing, and uh, you said it. This is – this is not the team to go against in Georgia to not have really even a, an acceptable offensive line. So those are the problems for South Carolina in this one. I know a lot of folks a couple weeks ago said, ah, it might be South Carolina, might be a little sneaky. Everybody's talking about Georgia doesn't really have a game of note until November. Well, no. If, if South Carolina struggled to score points against North Carolina – uh, I imagine that's going to be problematic for the Gamecocks against the Dogs Saturday, too. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, if you're going to sneak up on somebody, you got to block. And uh, I don't expect Georgia to have much trouble in that, uh, getting off of South Carolina blocks anyway, uh, in that tilt. 
BYU at Arkansas real quick on that one, Travis. Rocket Sanders out with a knee injury. He missed last week's game uh, against Kent State. He's going to miss the BYU game as well. 1,400-yard rusher a year ago was Rocket Sanders, Travis. Uh, and, you know, I haven't heard much about how serious this thing might be. It sounds like he's kind of been week to week, which is encouraging, certainly. Uh, but if you're Arkansas and you're sitting at 2-0 and uh, with BYU coming to town, uh, but your SEC opener coming, I think they start with LSU uh, with their SEC schedule a week later. Uh, having Sanders ready to go for LSU in a, in a week, I think that one might be in Baton Rouge too. A lot more important than having them ready a week sooner to take on the BYU Cougars out of conference. Yeah, I think this is a game that Arkansas can still win without him. Typically, Arkansas has pretty good depth at the running back position, especially with the way they like to pound the rock. So uh, I still like Arkansas in the game. K.J. Jefferson, obviously, um, you expect him to be able to to pick up the, the, you know, the, the pieces a little bit for that offense and get the job done. I think Arkansas won in Provo last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I think they can get the job done at home this time around. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Where am I, man, for the TV Tumblr? I'm going to give that a quick spin before we get out of here. I always <laughs> forgot about the Tumblr, and it uh, it uh, reminded me in no uncertain terms that it is not to be left out of the show. Uh, number 50 comes out of the Tumblr, Travis Tim Smith, the Alabama defensive lineman. Uh, a little bit of a scare for him early in the game against Texas, went down, uh, ended up popping back up during a commercial break and walked off on his own power just fine for a minute there. Uh, it looked like it might have been more of an issue, but he's a guy whose consistency, I think, has been up and down. Travis, I think there's some good upside there, and he's made some plays here and there. Uh, but uh, right now, I, I think uh, – you know, he, he, he's a guy who's definitely in the two deep, but somebody I think uh, that, that Freddie Roach is probably looking for a little bit more from. Yeah, with Tim Keenan coming along, the decision was made to essentially go with Keenan, Jaheim Otis, and Justin Aboigby as the first three out there in each of the first two games. And whether it's Smith or someone else or a combination of those guys need more tackle for loss production. I think the only tackle for loss – by an Alabama defensive lineman through two games came from Justin Aboigby against Texas last week. So mm -hmm. that was a concern you had for the Alabama defense going into the season. And I think there are some solid options. Damon Payne's one of those that we've seen more and more of in the early stages of this season, but um, not many that it, to this point bring back the memories of Quinnen Williams, Deron Payne, even Raquan Davis. So, uh, we'll see. Maybe Otis is that next star. Um, maybe it's a younger guy like Jordan Renaud that's a true freshman that's still developing. But uh, that's another area where, again, with the success that Florida A&M had in negative play production last week, Alabama needs to, if not match that, at least be north of seven tackles for loss and a couple of three sacks. Uh, that should be the the expectation anyway in this one. No doubt about it. All right, that will do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us Sunday night when we recap Alabama's road game at South Florida. I'm going to be going to be landing. It's going to be an evening uh, landing for me back in Birmingham. So I guess 
potential, just as a programming note, just off the top of my head, we'll try to do this thing next Sunday night, but conceivably, depending on how that flight goes, uh, might have to recap that game on, on Monday, but Sunday ought to work. Just thinking out loud here for our listeners, Travis. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but looking forward to it either way. Again, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. We will talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.